the Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Chris Cast. I am your host, Chris, and joining me through the Spotify for Podcasters app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. It's taking us a little bit of time to get started on this one because we've had all kinds of technical issues through this app tonight. Sent the link, what, 15 times before it finally went through, and then you couldn't hear me on it. But we're I now all cooking. I felt myself fastly aging on this end. <laughs> but shall we get into some food news right away? Yes, let's do this. Well, it's all sweets and treats this week. First up from Chewboom.com, new Snickers Butterscotch Scoop Bars available exclusively at Walmart. Butterscotch Um, Scoop Bars? Yeah, they're... I'm not the biggest on butterscotch, and I don't know how they taste. I'd be willing to try it. I just don't know if it would be any good or not. I love butterscotch. It is exclusively at Walmart, as it said in the headline. Um, It says, you can find Snickers Butterscotch Scoop Bars exclusively at Walmart beginning this month in a single 1.41 ounce size and a 6.43 ounce stand-up pouch with fun size bars. So you've got two options there. Seems like that would be like a coming out near the fall. Since butterscotch. I'm not the biggest fan of butterscotch. Like I, I like it, but I don't seek it out. Yeah. If that makes sense. But next up is Dairy Queen. Have you seen this one? No. This is from delish.com. Dairy Queen just casually rolled out a Taylor Swift inspired blizzard. Shut up. Dairy Queen is normally known for its frosty blizzards and savory burgers, but today the restaurant is being recognized for joining the Legion of Swifties. In an Instagram post that might seem fairly ordinary to most people, Dairy Queen shared an image of its cotton candy blizzard with a purple piece of fabric draped around it. The image included the caption, Treat Now with a Purple Heart. The Treat Now caption is a reference to Taylor's third studio album, Speak Now, and the various hues of purple, a nod to the singer's appreciation for the color. Shades of purple have been spotted in everything from her music videos to her poor wardrobe. And the the little pieces in it are purple and pink. And of course, pink is a... To me, it's a shade of purple. Like it's oh, red and purple good. combined, basically. That looks good. Mm-hmm. I'll try it. So, I'm all about a blizzard. And if it's a cotton candy blizzard, I'd try it. But, but anyways, that's that's the big Dairy Queen news for all the Taylor Swift fans out there. I knew Paul would be thrilled. And Yay! Then, and finally, my only other, like I said, is just treats this week. This is from today.com. McDonald's has a new cookies and cream pie, but there's a catch. The Oreo McFlurry is about to get a new piping hot cookies and cream themed friend. 
On July 3rd, rumors emerged on several snack-focused social media accounts that McDonald's has a new pie on the way to stores across America. On TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, posts heralded the arrival of McDonald's cookies and cream pie. Uh, trying to get to... McDonald's USA confirms to Today.com that in select areas of the country, its new cookies and cream pie will indeed be available starting July 14th, although only for a limited time. The new dessert features a chocolate cookie crumb crust filled to the brim with fluffy vanilla cream with large chocolate sandwich cookie pieces mixed into it. The warm handheld dessert is a regional offering at participating locations in select markets, which include Los Angeles, Seattle, Chicago, and New York City. So basically, McDonald's is screwing over everybody else again. Well, they're probably just trying it out there, and then if it does well, then they'll release it to the rest of the nation. What about the McPlant that still hasn't gone nationwide? Um, do you remember working at Hardee's, Chris? Of course I where, do. Where we, I, this is popular. I, this is what I used to do. I would take the apple pies that had the cinnamon, and I would put it down in one of those Sunday bowls, and I'd break it in half, and I would put the vanilla frozen yogurt ice cream on top of it and a couple pumps of caramel and I put the nuts on top of there and I'd eat the shit out of them damn things. Woo! That was good. And I was thinking that that pie would be good broken in one of those Sunday things like a McFlurry thing and break it and put vanilla ice cream on top of it. Oh my god, that was so good. That would take it to another level. I was just sitting here thinking that. Well, we know where Paul's wanting the calories at. Hey, my inner fat boy screaming, wanting it. <laughs> but did you have any food-related news this week? Uh, no, I did try the new the new purple Baja Blast from from uh from Mountain Dew though, and it's actually really good. I tried that this week. I have never tried it. No, I probably won't. No, there's it kind of no tasted blueberry-ish, raspberry-ish, blackberry-ish. It's very berry. It's very good. Well, we went to Cracker Barrel tonight. And I don't know if you've been to Cracker Barrel in the last while, but they now have a stuffed cheesecake pancake breakfast. No. And it's basically pancakes folded over with cheesecake cream in them, and they serve them with strawberries and whipped cream and a strawberry syrup. Well, I asked my server tonight, I was like, y'all have blueberries? And she said, yeah. Uh, so I swapped the strawberries for blueberries, because I like blueberries. I'm not a big strawberry fan. Yeah. And that was such a good meal. Like, it comes with your choice of I think ham, bacon, or sausage, but you can substitute the impossible sausage and then eggs. So I did that, and oh, it was good. Wow. I had to try that. But they even they even have a blueberry syrup. So when you get, if you get the blueberries instead of the strawberries and then pour the blueberry syrup over it, oh, it's so good. 
See, I'm I'm a blueberry fan, but I'm not a blueberry syrup fan. I gotta have my regular maple syrup to go with it, not the blueberry syrup. No, see, their their blueberry syrup actually has blueberries in it too. Yeah, I've tried it, and it's just like to me, it's a little too sweet for me. Oh, it's good. And like I said, I'm not a strawberry fan, so that that just it doesn't pull me right there. But but that's all the food news we have, so we shall move on to hey, an out of this world story. Hold on. Let's go back to Cracker Barrel for a second. Did they have all their Halloween out? They do have some Halloween stuff. I glanced at it. I didn't look real close. I know they had a, a big stuffed Scooby that was dressed like a vampire. They have a smaller Snoopy that's dressed like a skeleton. And they have a, or not Snoopy, Scooby on those two. And then they have a Snoopy that is a mummy. Aw, cute. They have some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. They've got the black ceramic Christmas tree. They've got some good stuff on it. But... Yeah. I'll have to go in there and check it out. No, oh. I know we'll be we'll be going back very soon, I'm sure, so because there's only just so many places to eat in Morganton. And about 89 of them are Mexican. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They, they just opened another Mexican restaurant here. Why? And if you get off on exit 105, right there at the interstate is El Paso. Right there, yeah. Right down the road is La Salsa's. Yeah. Down the road a little bit further is the new one. Plus uh, something or other. I can't remember what it's called. This is the new one in, in town. At the Walmart, you've got a Mexican restaurant. At the chicken plant, you've got a Mexican restaurant. Down the road from Ollie's, you've got a Mexican restaurant. And there's it. more that I'm not even naming. Like, there are literally... Dozens of Mexican restaurants in this town. This small little rinky-dink town. Well, Morganton's not really that small. It's not big. It's bigger than Kaiser. Well, a hole in the wall is bigger than Kaiser. <laughs> That's my closest town I live near is Kaiser. But, but anyways, moving on. To the out-of-this-world story, this is from abc7chicago.com. Harvard professor Avi Loeb believes he's found fragments of alien technology. Have you seen this story? No. Loeb and his team just brought the materials back to Harvard for analysis. The U.S. Space Command confirmed with almost near certainty 99.999% that the material came from another solar system. The government gave Loeb a 10-kilometer radius of where it may have landed. That is where the fireball took place, and the government detected it from the Department of Defense. It's a very big area the size of Boston, so we wanted to pin it down, said Loeb. We figured the distance of the fireball based off the time delay between the arrival of blast wave, the boom of explosion, and the light that arrived quickly. Their calculations allowed them to chart the potential path of the meteor, 
Those calculations happened to carve a path right to right through the same projected 10-kilometer range that came from the U.S. government. Loeb and his crew took a boat called the Silver Star out to the area. The ship took numerous passes along and around the meteor's projected path. Researchers combed the ocean floor by attaching a sled full of magnets to their boat. We found 10 spheres. These are almost perfect spheres or metallic marbles. When you look at them through a microscope, they look very distinct. Explained Loeb. They have colors of gold, blue, brown, and some of them resemble a miniature of the Earth. An analysis of the composition showed that the spherules are made of 84% iron, 8% silicone, 4% magnesium, and 2% titanium, plus trace elements. They are sub-millimeter in size. The crew found 50 of them in total. So, That's just strange. Not sure what they are, but it is an interesting little story. And there's a whole lot more here, and I'm not going to read any more of it. But So for those who want to read it, it's at abc7chicago.com, and the headline is, again, Harvard Professor Avi Loeb, A-V-I, capital L-O-E-B, believes he's found fragments of alien technology. So, but I've always said I believe in other life out there. I don't know if they've been here, but I believe there's other life in the universe, because why would we be the only ones? Well... Do you ever watch the show Ancient Aliens on the History Channel? I have seen it. I have not chosen to watch it, and it is pure garbage, if you ask me. No, the reason why I ask is because they've, they've, there's one of the shows I was watching a while back, but the, some of the Egyptian hieroglyphs show spaceships on the hieroglyphs along with alien-shaped people with it interacting with Egyptians. And you can see the spaceships. Yeah, but Ancient Aliens is actually listed as a fictional series. Oh, I know. It's all, it's all conjecture. It's all what-ifs. But, yeah. but they show the pictures of the hieroglyphs with the little spaceships. I thought that I, was interesting. I've watched parts of it because Lamar loves that show. And the way they present the material just irritates the crap out of me. And they, it's like they're trying to be dramatic and it just comes across as stupid. I just, I cannot stand that show. Anyway, I just thought I'd say that. And the, the other thing is that Giorgio guy with his hair, like, I can't take him seriously with that hair. That hair that's about 10 inches off his head. <laughs> Try 50. <laughs> and he's going bald. and It's like he's got the hair standing way up and makes the, the bald line much what's more that, noticeable. As it's, what's that character? Is it on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? The guy with the red hair? What is it? I don't remember. I don't watch Rudolph enough. It's not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's something else. I think it's Frosty the Snowman. Is it the Heat Miser? Is that who you think? Heat Miser, yes. That's what I'm thinking of. But anyways, I think we've segued into entertainment now. So were you a fan of 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later? I don't know what that is. You never watched them? Mm -mm. 
Oh, they were they were zombie movies, but they were different kind of zombies. No, I didn't watch that. They weren't they weren't exactly undead. They were like rage people. I don't really get into zombie stuff. It's just not my thing. I don't like it. I don't yeah, like you need to watch Twenty Eight Days Later. It's it. I really enjoyed it. It's very there's a big I mean, cult following to. I watched Z. Is it Z Nation? What you call him? The radio. No, not the radio, but he's a actor. Z Sci-fi. Was it Z Nation? It's something Z. Sci-fi was a series. Well, it wasn't a series. It's a movie, and it had Brad Pitt in it. That's World War Z. World World Z. I saw that, and that was that was scary as hell. Now, if you want a really good non-scary zombie show, watch Eye Zombie. I, mm, I think I've seen one or two of those. Eye Zombie is based on the Vertigo comics. Vertigo is an imprint of DC Comics. The show was on the CW, and the show drastically changed the comics. But it is really good. And it if you watched and enjoyed True Calling, I very much recommend I Zombie. Because the premise is she becomes a zombie, wakes up, and she still is able to think and look like she did. She's just pale with white hair. And she has to eat brains or she loses the ability and turns into the traditional zombie. And when she eats the brains, she takes on the memories and personalities of the person whose brain she's eaten. And she used that to help solve their, their murders. And True Calling was the show where she worked in the morgue and the dead body would ask her for help and her day would rewind and she'd have to figure out how the, why they were killed. That almost reminds me of the Santa Santa Maria diet or something like that. Santa Monica diet. Santa Clarita diet. Santa Clarita diet. Yeah, that almost reminds me of that. Yeah, the Santa Clarita diet was all comedy. This was, I mean, the I Zombie was basically a police procedural about a zombie. She worked as a doctor in the morgue. Yeah. She was a doctor. And her name was Liv Moore, Olivia Moore. Liv Moore. And, hmm. and the creator, like just just a little side note, the creator's name was Rob Thomas. And you know, Rob Thomas is the lead singer of Matchbox 20, but it's a different Rob Thomas. So in one season, Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20 actually appears on Eyes On. That's cool. So, I mean, there was a whole meta thing there going, but it was, it was a lot of entertainment. And that show is really good. It's on Netflix. It was a CW show, and if you get the chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. It's like maybe seventy episodes total. It was five seasons. None of them made it twenty episodes, but the longest season was like nineteen episodes. But I, I definitely suggest watching it. It was a really good show. But as far as 28 days later and 28 weeks later, there is now movement on more in the franchise. This is from MovieWeb that I'm reading from. 
Danny Boyle and Alex Scarland have been working on it. There's possibly not going to be 28 months later, but now 28 years later. Which would work a lot better because the initial movie came out in 2002. And in case you're wondering about the names Danny Boyle and Alex Garland, Danny Boyle was the director of 28 Days Later. Alex Garland was the writer of 28 Days Later. So you are getting the original creative team working on this new movie. And it's possible for a TV series I've seen as well. So I'm hoping for this to be really good. Yeah. But you, you know who Killian Murphy is, right? No. He was in Red Eye. He was the Scarecrow and Batman. The Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman from Batman, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's playing Oppenheimer in the new movie from Christopher Nolan. So he's he's a good actor. He's been in a lot of really good stuff. And I don't know if he will return or not, but I, I am anxious to see how it all plays out. And moving on from Netflix.com, Jillian Anderson is headed to the Wild West in The Abandons. And I believe it is from the creators of Sons of Anarchy. It's not saying in this. I saw something in one of the things I read. This is actually Netflix's page where it's talking about it. But it doesn't say anything about Sons of Anarchy. I'm pretty sure it's from the creative team behind some... Oh, there it is. From Sons of Anarchy creator Kurt Sutter, The Abandons tells the story of a group of diverse families in 1850s Oregon. Now, I love Jillian Anderson. I don't think I'll be watching this. I can't imagine her being in a Western. Uh, See, I'm just not a Western fan. Like, I, I really enjoy Blazing Saddles, loved Wagons East, I, I can enjoy Maverick when I watched it. I don't know if I could watch it again with Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, and yeah. James Garner, who was the original um, Maverick on TV. But I just, Westerns don't appeal to me. They never really have. Of course, I grew up with them because parents watching Gunsmoke and stuff like that. My dad's in there watching Westerns right now. <laughs> It's, just, it, it's not my thing. And and you know my love of Wonder Woman, my least favorite episode of the entire series is in World War II episodes, but it's basically a Western guest stars of Roy Rogers. And part of it is he didn't want to work with her in the Wonder Woman costume because it was too skimpy and he didn't feel right. So they made her wear a red top and white pants with her red boots and belt. But it just—it was the worst episode of the series, easily. Um, moving on, we did talk about Gattaca a few weeks ago being yeah. developed as a series at Showtime. That is now dead. It's not going on forward. What happened? They've—they've they've decided not to pursue it. Which this comes, you know, Showtime is now part of Paramount. Plus, 
but Paramount Plus just purged a bunch of content, which I think we talked about last show. We did. And Warner Brothers started purging stuff off of HBO Max, and people got irate at them. Disney started doing the same thing. They were forgiven somewhat. Paramount Plus has done it, and it's like, oh, well, it's it's just gone. So, next up from geektyrant.com, Gene Simmons is developing Twilight Zone-inspired series, Gene Simmons House of Horror. That sounds delightful. It was a comic book that he did. He actually wrote the comic, and he is now working to translate it to TV. If it's and it's, it was an interview with the with comicbook.com and he was talking about the being inspired by the Twilight Zone. He said, quote, for me, nothing touched Twilight Zone, the acting, the writing, all that stuff. The slasher and a blood guy. I much prefer in brackets psychological horror. It bears noting that some of the most horrific movies like Psycho, you actually never really saw flesh being pierced by a knife. It was all in your head. Well, Psycho is a little bit different because it's from the Master of Horror and Suspense. So, yeah, I would give King Simmons' House of Horrors TV show a try at least and see how it comes out. It may be terrible, it may be good. I've never read the comics, so I don't know much about it, but I, I would give it a shot. Next up is from Variety. Are you a Kevin Bacon fan? I know you are. Yep. Kevin Bacon to play undead bounty hunter in prime video series The Bondsman from Blumhouse TV. What is with all these zombies? Kevin Bacon is attached to star in a new Blumhouse television series that has been ordered straight to series at Amazon's prime video Variety has learned. The action series is titled The Bondsman. The official logline states that it centers on Hub Halloran, played by Bacon, quote, a backwoods bounty hunter who comes back from the dead with an unexpected second chance at life, love, and a nearly forgotten musical career, only to find that his old job now has a demonic new twist. Amazon has ordered eight half-hour episodes. Production on the series will not begin until all guild negotiations have been resolved. So, being 30 minutes, I'm guessing it's a comedy. I would say so. But I I would definitely watch it. And then finally for the entertainment news comes Deadpool 3. There's been a few announcements this week. Today, as we were recording this today, we got the first look of Deadpool and Wolverine together walking along and Wolverine is in the classic yellow and blue outfit. I don't think I've ever seen him in that outfit before. He's not worn it live action. Remember the first X-Men, they wore black outfits with an X across the torso. And Old Man Logan, they did the him as an old man 
in in the Logan movie, but this is the first time he's ever appeared in the classic costume. Now, the other bit of news that came from Deadpool 3 is one that kind of builds my theory that people will give MCU blind love while they give DC blind hate. Because you remember when Daredevil with Ben Affleck and the film Electra came out, how many people just absolutely hated both of them. Didn't want to give Daredevil a chance because it was Ben Affleck. Then it came out, and all I could talk about was how bad it was. Well, Jennifer Garner is reprising her role as Electra for Deadpool three, and people are thrilled about it. <laughs> like you hated it the first time around. Why are you thrilled? Well, I'm because, because I enjoyed both Daredevil and Electra. Well, that's because it's Deadpool, and people but, loves people loves um, what's that guy's name. Ryan Reynolds. Right. People loves Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. But I'm just like, you hated Electra. Why do you have such thrill that she's coming back? But now DC announces their new Superman, and the whole joke constantly is I want Henry Cavill, and then we have Henry Cavill at home for the new guy. It's not a funny meme to begin with. It's overplayed. People have shared it like it's so hilarious. And then, yes, there's a similarity there, but if you recall, Superman Returns had Brandon Ralph in it, and he bore a quite a striking similarity to Christopher Reeve. And nobody had a problem with that. What but, I don't understand is they allowed Henry Cavill to make a an announcement on Instagram that he is actually coming back as Superman and he did all these interviews and then all of a sudden you're like <clears throat> no you're doing it you're, you're not doing it <clears throat> well that is due to management change at Warner Brothers like they literally were going to bring Cavill back they had it all worked out and then new management came in and they changed it all and then they brought in James Gunn as well and quite honestly, I can see the point in replacing him because James Gunn's plan right now is a 10-year plan. Henry Cavill, 10 years from now, would be 50 years old. He could Everybody hates. He's losing his hair. And Superman is not supposed to age. That's a problem. Well, no, he ages because he's a little boy. He grew up to be a man. He ages. Yep. But then he stopped aging. Uh, I call shenanigans on that. And no, that's just the way it's written. Is When he got to be full-grown man, he stopped aging. He ages at a much slower rate than everybody else. Hmm. So he will live long past Lois and all these other heroes and continue on with his life after they're gone. That's the way it's written. Okay. And Henry, like I said, Henry Cavill's getting old. And they went with the wrong thing to start with because they went for the 
Frank Miller's Dark Knight with Batman. Problem with that was all the heroes were the same age as Batman. They'd all aged at that point in the story. In Zack Snyder's universe, they went straight for old man Batman and young body everybody else. Yeah. And that was a mistake. It's like 10 years from now, Ben Affleck's in the 60s. So, well, he could always have plastic surgery done, laser resurfacing done, and they could but, always use a computer to anti-age him a little bit. And and people have used the argument, well, they brought back Keaton for The Flash, and you don't have a problem with that. If you watch the movie The Flash, they make sense out of him being Batman. He had quit being Batman at that point. So... But people are just eager to hate DC for everything they do. Like I said, Blue Beetle is already garnering hate, and it hasn't even come close to being released. Like, there's no advanced screenings, nothing that I know of. Remind and, me when you go off the air, I need to tell you what else they digitize on Henry Cravel when he's playing Superman. Yeah. All I know is the mustache, and I agree that the mustache looked bad, but that was idiot Joss Whedon's doing it. Because when he came in and took over Justice League, he messed everything up. And people, that was another one. People praised Joss Whedon to no end, and I always said, no, he's not that good. And they were like, oh, he writes a great female character. And then years later, his script for Wonder Woman came out, and everybody realized how wrong he got Wonder Woman. And then, of course, all the the toxic set stories came out about Buffy the Vampire Slayer with him. And he just seems like complete garbage. And, you know, he's kind of disappeared ever since then. Didn't he play some in Big Bang Theory? Joss Whedon? No, not that I know of. Who was that guy? If he, did, if he did, he appeared early on. Who was that guy that played himself on there? That was on oh, Star you're Trek. talking about from Star Trek Next Generation, Wesley Crusher. Will. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. That's what I was thinking about. Will Wheaton. And, uh, and um, Sheldon giving him hell every chance he got. <laughs> Well, Joss Whedon's credits include Avengers, Avengers of Age of Ultron, Serenity and Firefly, Angel, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Much Ado About Nothing from 2012, The Cabin in the Woods, Dollhouse, Justice League. Um, he did some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. There's a Buffy the Animated Series I didn't know about. So, I mean, he's he's done a lot of genre work and that's where he got a fan base but he's really not what they made him out to be yeah um, did you have any other entertainment news you wanted to mention no well then we shall move on to those we've lost first up this is from kiro7.com 
Darren Drozdov, former pro wrestler, NFL player, dead at 54. He was in bad shape for years. It says in this article, Drozdov's death was announced through World Wrestling Entertainment's website. Quadriplegic since 1999, he died of natural causes, according to his family. But he had been confined to a wheelchair due to, I think it was an accident in the rain. And the last I saw of him on video was in one of those, like the behind the scenes shows or whatever. The and he did not look to be in good physical health at all. How old was he? Fifty-four. God, he's still young. Bless his heart. But and it might sound heartless, but I think he's better off. Yeah. Like it was it was not an easy life, obviously, but he was living. Next up, this story I just saw before we came on recording. This is from Deadline.com. Manny Cotto dies. Emmy-winning 24 EP who created AI drama Next and worked on Star Trek Enterprise, American Horror Story, and Dexter was 62. Now tell me you didn't watch any of those shows because I don't think there's a person alive who never watched at least one of those shows. American Horror Story, yeah. American Horror Story, Dexter 24, and Star Trek Enterprise. I watched some 24 and just a little bit of Enterprise. But as the article reads that he died Sunday of pancreatic cancer at his home in Pasadena. Now, I've never watched Star Trek Enterprise, but I've watched every American Horror Story episode. I've watched every 24 episode. and I've watched every Dexter episode. But just a, a one paragraph here that I want to read just to pay tribute to him. It says, the Cuban-born Kodo shared the Outstanding Drama Series Emmy for 24's fifth season in 2005. He continued on 24 through its eighth and final season and co-created its sequel series, 24 Live Another Day and 24 Legacy. He also served as executive producer on four seasons of American Horror Story and two seasons of American Horror Stories, directing the 2021 episode Feral of American Horror Stories. So, I saw him. I saw where uh, twenty four is coming back again. Yep. It's. I don't know that it's good now. I I just read this little bit too. Doctor Giggles, a horror film Kodo co-wrote and directed in nineteen ninety two, largely went unnoticed when it premiered, but it has since garnered cult status and a recent Blu Ray reissue from Shout Factory. I remember having Dr. Giggles at the Terrace Theater back in the day. Do you really? Yes, that was one. That was the first year that I worked there. And that was one of the movies we had there. I watched it at the theater and I enjoyed Dr. Giggles. Really? You ever see it? Mm -mm. I do remember seeing that. Oh, you need to watch it sometimes. It's worth a watch. But. I mean, it's been so long, I can't tell you what it was about. I just remember him going around killing people. But it was, I really enjoyed it when it was out. Dr. Giggles. <laughs> yep. 
Well, it says that he did an episode of a rebooted Alfred Hitchcock Presents where he wrote and directed a new version of Twist. All kinds of good stuff that he worked on. Next up, this one, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it's still like, I loved her and found her very amusing and and she was very informative too, but it was Sue Johansson, which I don't know if you remember Talk Sex with Sue, but it was on Oxygen. And, oh, you need to go and find some clips of Talk Sex with Sue. This was an older lady who was actually a sex educator. Oh, I know what you're talking about. She's an old crotchety lady. Yeah, she would get sex toys, and her team would try them out and review them on the show. She would take questions from viewers and answer them. And, I mean, it it was a very informative show. It was a very respectable show. But it was also very amusing because here is this grandmother-looking woman telling you about sex. You aren't talking about Dr. And, Ruth, are you? No, it's Sue, Sue Johansson. Was it? The, did she, she had curly hair and talked crazy? She had short hair. Like, short curly hair. Yeah. I know who you talk about. She's crazy in hell. Yeah, but she was so much fun to watch. Yeah. I've seen... Um, Little clips of it on YouTube. People but, shared. But like I said, if you if you get the chance, watch some sex talk with Sue because one, it's truly educational, and two, it's very amusing and entertaining. Yeah. But she was ninety three and lived a good long life. Hell, so she is old when those videos came out. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was born in Toronto on March thirteenth, nineteen thirty. She became a registered nurse before marrying an electrician in 1953. The couple had three kids, Carol, Eric, and Jane. So, definitely will miss Sue. And then finally, this is from People.com, Alan Arkin, Oscar-winning Little Miss Sunshine actor, dead at 89. And I pulled up his IMDb because you know Alan Arkin's name. You know you've seen him in a ton of stuff, but right offhand, you may not be able to name anything that he was in. Well, just going down through the list, Spencer Confidential, he was in in 2020. Uh, Let's go down through here. Marley and Me in 2008. Uh, The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. Firewall with Harrison Ford was an excellent movie. If you've never seen it, highly recommend it. He was Martin Adler on one episode of Will and Grace. Slums of Beverly Hills. He was in an episode of Chicago Hope. Uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer, which had Mike Myers from Saturday Night Live. I remember that. He was very funny in that. Or the movie was very funny. I, I can't remember his. He was uncredited as Precinct Captain. Oh, another early movie from the Terrace Theater days, Indian Summer, he was in. 
which that was a good movie too if you've never seen it but it's not a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination uh three episodes of saint elsewhere just all kinds of stuff um, so if you get the chance definitely go look up some of his stuff I personally really enjoyed Little Miss Sunshine. A lot of people did. I have a cousin who was not thrilled with it at all. And she likes Alan Arkin a lot. But, but yeah, he's, well, there's, he was in an episode of Carol Burnett and Company from 1979. Of course, not the original Carol Burnett and Friends. It was another series that she did. So, so all kinds of stuff that he's been in that was really, really good. There's Edward yeah. Scissorhands, The Rocketeer. So, if you get the chance, definitely go look up some of his stuff and we'll be entertained. Says, and the People article says his son Adam, 66, is also a well-known actor and director who has starred on TV hits including Chicago Hope, Eight Simple Rules, and Sons of Anarchy. I, I honestly did not realize that Adam was his son. I know exactly who they're talking about when I read that, but never put two and two together. Yeah. But with that, we are done with the first half. And of course, Paul, once again, watched the wrong thing. So I will be reviewing My Adventures of Superman. Paul watched Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. And I don't, I'm guessing he probably never got around to the book club, either no, one of I, them. I started watching, I went, hold on, I've seen this before. And I went, why does he want me to watch this? Because he didn't want you to watch that. Oh, God. I just, Lois and Clark is one I cannot go back and watch just because of Dean King and how horrible a person he has well, become. See, I was wondering why you wanted me to watch that because I know you didn't like Dean King. No, it was it was my adventures with Superman, and <sighs> it's the new animated series. It's an anime style, and I will talk about it. And if Paul watched anything, he might talk about something, but. We'll be back, everybody. Stay tuned. Welcome back. First up, let's go over the top 10 films of the weekend. Start with 11 because it's significant. Dropping from 8 to 11 is The Flash, which, again, I say due to the hate machine that has been running rampant against it. This film didn't stand a chance. Two and a quarter million in its fourth weekend, $105,210,665, over $260 million worldwide, so it'll probably top out about $300 million in its total box office run. Down from 6 to 10 is Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, almost $2.9 million in its second weekend, over 11.6 million total. Down from seven to nine is The Little Mermaid, almost 3.7 million in its seventh weekend for over 289 and a quarter million dollars. 
down from five to eight is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. 5.1 million in its fifth weekend, $146,829,334 total. Down from four to seven, no hard feelings. 5.4 million in its third weekend for over $40.5 million total. Debuting at number six is Joyride. Not a remake or the story with Paul Walker, but a road trip with Asian females. It's opening weekend, $5,806,277. Down from three to five is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Another $8 million in its sixth weekend for $357,678,700. Down from two to four is Elemental. $10 million in its fourth weekend for $109,624,302. Debuting at number three is Sound of Freedom. $19.7 million in its first weekend for a full total, because apparently it came out on Tuesday or Wednesday, $41,668,249. Down from one to two is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, $27.4 million in its second weekend for $122,126,405. And debuting at number one, I really want to see it, $33,013,036 in its first weekend. Insidious, the red door. Ooh, I want to see that. Honestly, what, um, what is it? What did I just say a little while ago? I want to see what? The Flash. I want to see that. I want to see Indiana Jones. I want to see that. Uh. I will not be paying to see Indiana Jones at the box office for the simple fact that Crystal Skull sucked so bad. Like it's left such a bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to spend more money with that, Indiana Jones film. You do that's a that's a whole different thing than what this one is. You do know that. Yes, but Crystal Skull was just so terrible. It just it made me sour on the franchise, and it's, I will I will watch Indiana Jones. I will not pay to see it. Like I will wait until it comes to streaming. I want to see it just to hear the music because who makes the music? It's the same orchestra who done the music for Star Wars, for Harry Potter, and for Indiana Jones. So I want to hear it just for that to hear the music. Okay, and according to Google. Just because I was curious, Insidious the Red Door was the budget of $16 million. Domestic opening weekend, $33 million. International opening weekend, $31.686 million. For a worldwide total of almost $64.7 million in its first weekend. How much was Indiana Jones? Uh, the... I don't know the budget. Let me look up the because I've got box office mode going here first. Uh, domestic after two weekends, one hundred twenty-two million one hundred twenty-six thousand four hundred five dollars. International is fifty-one percent of the gross, one hundred twenty-seven million one hundred fifty thousand seven hundred sixty-five dollars, for two hundred forty-nine million two hundred seventy-seven thousand one hundred seventy dollars. Not too shabby. Budget with a report according to Google with a project 
with a reported production budget range of $250 to $400 million. For Indiana Jones? That's yes. Impossible. That's like more than a damn Marvel movie. Come on. Well, how much de-aging did they do of Harrison Ford in the film, too? I don't believe that. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. How much did they do? Because that's going to cost a lot right there. Well, look how much, I mean, about basically every Marvel movie there is. Look how much did look how much stuff is in those. Yeah, and look at how bad they did with Quantum Mania, but people are forgiving them for that while they're blasting the Flash and Shazam Fury of the Gods at the same time. Mm, I'm going to look something up. I don't believe that. That's from Google. Talking. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to move on to the first review, which is a book club, the next chapter. IMDb has it 5.6 out of 10 with 3,100 reviews. The tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes is at 48% with 109 reviews, while the average audience score of over 1,000 ratings 84%. Me, I found this movie absolutely hilarious. I thought the story was good. It was a good reason for a, a sequel. They incorporated the pandemic into it and showed how they stayed in touch in a quick opening scene that was great. You got, oh, that was my chair, by the way, in case you, you heard that big, loud sound. that. Um, the bit of a spoiler, but it's at the beginning of the movie because it happened between the first one and the second one. Uh, Mary Steenburgen's Carol, her husband Bruce was played by Craig T. Nelson. We find out that he's had a heart attack. He survived, but that's a driving force in their relationship. And it plays in pretty heavily in the film. Everybody reprised their roles. Jane Fonda, Diane Keaton, Candace Bergen, Mary Steenburgen, Don Johnson, Andy Garcia, Craig T. Nelson. You added in Giancarlo Giannini, who was very good as the police chief, brought on a lot of funny moments. Um, basically, what the story is, is Jane Fonda's character, Vivian, has accepted the proposal for marriage by Don Johnson's character, Arthur. It is Vivian's first marriage ever, and they, uh, Diane Keaton, Kenneth Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen all take Jane Fonda on a trip to Italy for their her bridal shower. And so it's a bachelorette trip to Italy, and they have their plans made, and they go visit, like, they go to Venice and other places, and I mean, it's a lot of hijinks along the way, and uh, the the run-ins with the police chief are fantastic, and just so much humor in this movie. The story's really good, like I said. I highly recommend it. It is on Peacock now, streaming as part of their service. There are commercials at the beginning, but then you have the movie play without ads the rest of the way, so... I highly recommend checking it out on there. And, of course, Diane Keaton and Candace Bergen, I'm sold regardless. Love both those ladies. 
But this cast is very strong. These ladies work very well together. I cannot recommend these two movies enough. I really say watch Book Club and Book Club next chapter. I will definitely watch it again. And Paul has his information now. It has it's a $295 million budget. And it's the highest budget movie out of all the Indiana Jones movies. It came out of over of a budget compared to the Crystal Skull movies. So, $295 million. Well, it's not doing as fantastic at the box office as they were hoping. And How much did like you the, say it was that so far? Uh, don't remember and I closed it Hold out. on. I've already got it. I got it. But I do know that they had the Google said the estimated budget was from two hundred and fifty million to four hundred million. And when you add in all the factors like advertising and such, that could be four hundred million add on to it. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. Oh, you're not coming through. The budget was two hundred ninety-four million seven hundred thousand, and it's done two hundred forty-nine million. Blah blah blah. So, if it does another two hundred million dollars, they made their money back and some plus. So I don't know. That's an uphill climb. But with that, Paul has one he's going to discuss, which is the stream from FX from a few years back. Um, IMDb with 84,000 ratings has a 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, the average tomato meter, has a 79%. The audience score is 78%. Unusually close on those two scores there. Paul, take it away. Um, this is a series that was introduced to me by some friends, and they said, we really think you should watch this because it's right up your alley. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll watch it. So I watched the first episode, and um, it starts off with them being on a plane, and some kind of strange illness breaks out on the plane. And while the strange illness is breaking out on the plane, there's some kind of a, you can hear a creature growling in the belly of the plane, like where the baggage is at. And you're like, mm, what's up, wrong with that? But anyway, the plane ends up landing, and the everyone's non-responsive on there the plane's black the plane's dead so they end up investigating the plane and um they're all in hazmat suits they call in the, the um what is it chris the cdc yeah, yeah. They're in the cdc to inspect it and what's going on so they're treating it like it's some kind of virus but little did they know, they had a top secret package down below that's a that was a four foot by ten foot thing with a bunch of dirt in it. And that's all I'm talking about on that one. So it has some great actors in it. Um, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It is very... It is... Everybody dies on the plane. Oh. But uh, several does um, 
end up living and they follow it's it's next thing you know then people starts coming back to life that was dead on the plane it is extremely addictive i'll go ahead and tell you that and i don't want to tell you the whole premise of it but if you like something like a lot of mystery and intrigue and to be scared out of your bejesus before you go to bed this is the one for you and i had to i actually had to turn on will and grace to watch a Will and Grace episode one night before I went to bed because I could not go to bed with those images in my head. It was um, way creepy, way creepy. So I know we're coming up on Halloween season. Do I? I've actually been rewatching some Will and Grace here lately. There's some really, Will and Grace is awesome. It's timeless. But um, yeah, if you really want to get scared, yeah, we're coming up on Halloween season right now, technically. Um, all Halloween and Falls coming out in all the stores now. This would be one to definitely put on your list to watch. Um, I, Chris, I think Lamar would love this one. Yeah. I don't know if he's watched it, but I know I haven't. I've heard good things about it. I just, I'm looking over the cast, and there's, I don't know how many episodes anybody was in, but there's Sean Astin, um, Roger Cross, who I don't know the name, but he looks like the guy from 24. Uh, Robert Mele or Mele or however you say his name. He was Kurgan in WWF. Uh, Samantha Mathis was in there. Rona Mitra. But the probably the biggest name of all of them, Regina King was on it. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but back on the 4th of July, I was quoting a movie that she was in when I kept saying, you look just like the 4th of July. Makes me want a hot dog real bad. You're crazy. I could not stop saying that on the 4th of July. And so after I started saying it, we put on Legally Blonde to work because, you know, 4th of July. It was perfect movie for it. Oh, yeah. But that movie is very good. I highly recommend it to anybody, too. But both Legally Blonde films. But Regina King is in the second film. And she was in the Watchmen TV series, which was really good. So, of course, when she was very young, she was on 227. Marla Gibbs played her mother. Oh, yeah. So Regina King is no stranger by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, the biggest name, as far as I'm concerned, is Sean Astin might be known by more because of his dad and the Goonies and stuff, but as far as body of work, I would go with Regina King as the biggest star. Yeah. At least of the names here. But anything else you wanted to add on it? I'd love to tell you what it's about, what, what it really is, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I might get around to it. I, I'm not promising anything. I just It's been on my radar. I just never have watched it. And I've got so many other things that I want to watch, too. That Sometimes I forget about some of the things that I've wanted to watch. Sometimes I forget about many of the things I wanted to watch. But, That's one I'm definitely for Halloween because it's, it's that creepy. Well, you know, next month is Heartstopper Season 2. And then Prime... About the middle of the month is releasing the film Red, White, Red, White, and Royal Blue. And if you haven't seen the trailer for that, I highly recommend watching the trailer because it looks very good. It's a romantic comedy of the prince and the guy that he meets and 
the hijinks they get into and such. And it looks really good. Much better than that one prime offering that we watched that was, I think, Billy Porter's directorial debut or something. Yeah. And the one was transgender. It, that one I was not impressed with, but Red, White, and Royal Blue looks like it'll be good. But with that, we come to the movie that, or the show that Paul was supposed to watch. I finally got the chance to watch it last night because I was working. But Paul, instead of watching My Adventures with Superman again, he watched Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman from 30 years ago. But I was wondering, I thought, why did you want me to watch this? Well, it's like I told you, I, I just I can't even watch Dean Kane anymore in anything. So he pops up and he just knowing what he's like now, he is so far from what he was as Superman. Yeah. And he's he's turned his back on everything from back then. I mean he used to play gay characters and he was Superman and it's like he took all that and forgot everything of what he was doing and has gone crazy and is now a Trump supporter. So, flushed it down the toilet. Yep. So I have no desire to see him in anything ever again. But my adventures with Superman—it's an anime-style animated series from Cartoon Network that is next day on Max. IMDb with nine hundred and thirty-eight reviews has a seven point nine out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter is at 100%. The average audience score is 84%. And Common Sense Media gave it a 4 out of 5. Now, this is a slightly altered telling of his story. They have changed some things, but kept a lot of it the same. Um, He and Jimmy Olsen are friends and roommates and they become interns at the Daily Planet where they meet Lois Lane who is also an intern at the Daily Planet which is kind of iffy for me like why are they interns instead of actual reporters when Jimmy Olsen's there because Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be so much younger than them but anyways Jimmy Olsen's still a photographer Lois and Clark are still reporters uh Harry White is the editor. Jack Quaid is the voice of Clark Kent and Superman. Of course, the son of Dennis Quaid. He's on The Boys. The others, I really don't recognize anybody who does the voices. So The, the first two episodes were a two-parter. They kind of introduced Livewire and I'm not real keen on the way they did Livewire because she's not a shock job, she's a criminal. Like She starts out as a criminal instead of as a shock job. Yeah. Livewire was introduced on Superman the Animated Series, voiced by Lori Petty, and she was a shock jock who got electrocuted and then ended up with the powers of electricity. This one she got electrocuted by her own tech and she was just a criminal trying to destroy the city, basically. So, I don't know how that's going to play out. We'll see. The 
Clark is not able to understand what Dorel is telling him, so he's not really getting his history. I don't know why they did it that way. So there, there's some issues, and it's anime style, which I'm not a big fan of. I just don't really care for the drawing of anime. I hate anime. But it's it's not as horrible as some. Like they don't have the huge eyes like a lot of, like say Pokemon. But it's it's definitely an anime inspired. But I'm going to keep watching it. I just don't know if it's definitely not going to be the quality of Superman the animated series from the nineties. That's going to be your top-level Superman animated show. This one, the story's good. It's interesting, so it's it's making me want to see more to see how it goes along. I'm just I'm not keen on the change of Livewire if that's exactly what they're doing, and I'm not keen on the anime style. But other than that, it's starting out pretty good. So we'll see how it builds. And with that, I think we are done. Any final words? Uh, no. Well, that was concise. <sighs> um, one thing I do want to say is there is so much hate and negativity brewing on social media these days. It is awful. Just try to be the better person and spread positivity instead of tearing down everything because that's all social media seems to be these days is just tearing down everything i mean i've talked about dc comics and how they get blind hate on social media and madonna like she almost lost her life and people are just talking all kinds of horrible things about her and I'm like, as much as I hate disgraced former guy, I would not wish death upon him. I would not wish ill health upon him. I am not bringing myself down to the level of these horrible people. But you see so much of it. Like they report that Madonna's doing better and that she's out, actually out and about. And people go on there and just slam her and talk terrible things about her. If your grandmother had just had a nearly life-costing event happen in her life, would you want people to say those things about her? Well, it's like those pictures you showed me. She didn't look like Madonna. She looked like somebody's mother out shopping with a big hat on and sunglasses. And I'm sure... Well, no, let me finish what I'm saying. And I'm sure people are on there going... Well, look at her wearing that old lady dress and that old lady hat. You know? well, the, so far, I haven't seen reactions to those pictures that I showed you because they're on Madonna sites. So, like, everything there is going to be positive. And, and it has been. And she posted a nice thank you note to the fans. I don't know if you saw it. I shared it on Facebook. But it was a very nice thank you note for the fans supporting her. And that she was taking it seriously and that she's rescheduling the North American tour and hopes to start the European tour this fall. So, I mean, she she doesn't, like, she's in that she said her first thought when she woke up in the hospital was her children. 
her second thought was the tour because she didn't want to disappoint those who worked on it with her, those who were like dancers and musicians, the fans who wanted to see it. And I honestly think that was sincerity. I think that's probably what she felt. Like I can understand her first thought being her children because they are the most important things to her in her life. Yeah. She also has the the fans that she worries about. And you know, people can say what they want about her, but everything that I've ever seen where celebrities actually met her and knew her, they talk about how nice she is in person. And that's been for years. Now, Janet Jackson, on the other hand, I would see people that admit her, and they talk all kinds of smack about her, how mean she is. I don't know. I've not met either one of them. I don't you say. talk about Demita Joe. But I'm not talking about her. I'm telling you what people have said. People who the, have only, met the only story I can come up with about Madonna being a real person is over the years that me and Justin Eisenhower was going down to South Beach, there is a um, a restaurant in the Palms inside one of the inside one of the hotels there in the Palm, where my, one of the one of the guys who was at the Eleventh Street Diner working on table waiting tables there said he used to work at the Palms, and there's a couple ladies came in. And sat down, and they said, "We have a we have a lady who's meeting us for lunch. When you see her, when she comes in, would you mind see, taking her to her to her to the table here?" And he said, "How do I know who it is?" They said, "Trust me, you'll know it when you see her." And he's like, "Okay." So about five minutes later, a uh, black SUV pulled up, and out hopped Madonna. And she came in, and he's like, oh, this has got to be her then. So he just got her attention and then ushered her to the table there. It ended up being a two-hour lunch. It was just her and some friends sitting around. Nobody else bothered them. Um, And what was really funny about it, he said that uh, at the end of the tab, Madonna looked at him and said, I'm not getting this. She said, I got it last time. She said, she looked at the other one and said, y'all are doing it this time. I'm not doing it because she said, and he said the tab was like between the four of them. It was like $700 for lunch. And she said, uh-uh, I did it last time. She said, um, and the, he said, every one of them was some kind of celebrities. He said, I recognize them, but I didn't recognize them. But he said, I did recognize Madonna. And he, she, they said, finally, he goes, one of them goes, okay, fine, I'll cover it this time. But um, they, they he ended up getting a $300 tip from them so for lunch. And, and said that every one of them ladies was, he said, even Madonna, he said they were such a joy to work with, to, you know, for lunch and stuff. And if it was a $700 check, 20% would be $140. So, they gave 50, 40%, yeah. over 40%. So, you know, and, you know, they're, the only story that I have for, of, like, the real person kind of thing is, you know, I went to New York City specifically to see her in concert. And while I was there, I had to go to 53rd and Broadway because I at least had to see the Ed Sullivan Theater where David Letterman paid. And 
a homeless person there actually told us how we could get tickets for the show. And the homeless person told us that you had to answer trivia question and if you got it right they gave you tickets for the show well i answered the question right and got tickets for the show he asked for money and i was not going to give him anything because first instinct is don't give money i was like well you helped me out so i took the change out of my pocket and gave it to him which was like 50 some cents so it wasn't a lot but you know i couldn't afford to give a lot either and tickets for the david letterman show were free by the way it's like you don't pay to get in there you just have to get tickets so I got to see David Letterman. Well, talking with people around the area, found out that before we were there, like the week before when Madonna arrived in New York City, um, her limo came by the Ed Sullivan Theater, stopped, she rolled down her window, and talked to the fans in line at, at the show. Oh, that's cool. So... I mean, she she is, from everything that I've heard about her, genuinely a nice person. But you also have to think the the ambition and the drive that she has, people will think she's a bitch because of it. The celebrity status that she has reached in life, she kind of has to be a bitch to keep people at bay. And... She can't just be willy-nilly nice to everybody because people will want to take advantage of her because of who she is. Um, and, but every, like I said, every story that I've ever heard about her on a personal level where people actually met her and knew her, very nice stories. Like, they really liked her. Did you ever see the carpool karaoke with James Corden with her? Yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of that. I only watched it because it was It her. was fun. I loved the way she... Uh, it was fun. But, I mean, so, she... In any case, anyways. She has an obvious sense of humor. If you watch her appearances on David Letterman, I mean, she she was joking with him about the... everything then, like, the, the infamous show where she was on, and she asked him if that was a toupee, and he said, what, what is that? Are you wearing a shower cap? And talking about her hair that was slicked down and you know it was just constant back and forth and people thought that they hated each other from that interview and I was like me watching it initially I just saw it as two people having banter back and forth in a fun way and both of them were like we don't understand where people are getting that this is some kind of grudge but the next year on Valentine's Day, she showed up and gave David Letterman a, a bouquet of flowers. So she was saying it was to bury the hatchet. And she appeared on David Letterman multiple times after that. She did. She's on there all the time. So, so yeah, you know, people will make a fight out of nowhere. Like Lady Gaga and Madonna were bitter rivals, but the two of them didn't have a rivalry against each other. Cindy Lauper and Madonna were bitter rivals, but they didn't have any animosity against each other. There's just people like to make up things and run with it. So, but that just brings me back to be nice. Like, stop being so hateful. If you cannot stop spreading hate, then maybe you need to get off social media for a while. Like, go out, 
have a life, get away from Facebook, get away from Twitter, get away from threads, get away from all of it. Just go out and interact with people. Oh, that reminds me. I need to download threads. Yeah. The thing I love about it is it's, it's killing Elon Musk. He just hates that it's so successful already. Because his numbers keep dwindling, and here's Threads, the fastest-growing social media app out there. And why? Because the people he fired went to work for Mark Zuckerberg to develop this app. <laughs> and, you know, he told them their talents could be better used elsewhere when he fired them. And now, because of how successful Threads is, he wants to sue for the intellectual property. Oh, well. You said their talents would be better used somewhere else. They're better used somewhere else. But so yeah, I'm I'm more than happy for Elon to be failing miserably because he is a miserable person. Have you oh you don't keep up with what they, have, they keep dropping the prices of Teslas. Oh I I know they, they talked about how it was a record setting number of of sales for Tesla and I was like well, when you keep dropping the price on something, the demand does go up. Yeah. So the Tesla 3 was it. The one I was looking at wanting to buy was I built it online one year. It was about two years ago or something like that before he went crazy. And mine was going to be like 44000 I think it was. That same car is 38000 Well, you know that the Tesla company has tried to distance themselves from, um, from yeah. I mean, they have bad mouthed him on social media. Like Tesla itself has bad mouthed Elon Musk. Yeah, and then I don't know if you saw it. I shared on Facebook a screen capture from Threads from Wendy's account, and they said something like, "Hey, at Elon, maybe you should try to go into space next." <laughs> Because if you follow Wendy's on social media, they like to roast people, and that Wendy's is there. They are coke cutthroat. They will. <laughs> Whoever controls Wendy's social media accounts needs a raise. I mean, I'm talking about who was it? Some some uh famous basketball player tweeted at Wendy's and says, "Hey, come at me!" And next thing you know, they just started like hammering that basketball player with all these insults the way they play and stuff <laughs> so and everybody's like retweeting it out you know I'll never forget the day that Chick-fil-A said um, on Saturday nothing could be better than joining one of our Chick-fil-A sandwiches on a Saturday afternoon and then Wendy's came in and retweeted their tweet out that says or enjoying one of ours on Sunday <laughs> I howled when I saw that. Wendy's social media is great. Like, like if you're going to be on social media, if you're bitter and on social media, then follow Wendy's and learn from them how to have fun on there. Like, that's what yeah, social media is. Whoever, whoever is control of that and comes up with those quippy comebacks is magic. I'm serious. Well, it's, it's like the Iron Sheik account. It was it was great. Yeah, um, I went and thought even after he died, I followed the Iron Sheik account so I could just see those 
comebacks and stuff. And those, I mean, it was, it was always you knew that it was humorous and that he was not intending any hate, hate behind it. And they were always so funny. And like, just follow happy people, learn how to be happy again. Like, we are such a this country, especially, is so miserable right now. And like I said, a lot of it is because of disgraced former guy pushing hate constantly when he ran. And when he was in office, now that he's running again, that's all he's doing. So, all right. But, but like, just closing, stop being miserable, hateful, horrible people. Learn to interact with people in a, like, actual face-to-face way. If you wouldn't say it to them face to face, why are you saying it to them online? Exactly. So, but until next week, or not next week, two weeks from now, as I'll be preparing for the trip to Raleigh for GalaxyCon. Can't wait. So excited. But until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.